Half the battle is back. It's me, Daniel Levy, your host, and joining me on this very special UFC Chicago, UFC on Fox 20 edition of Half the Battle, we got the MMA state of mind back in the house, and for the very first time, Trish Crane is joining us. Trish, ladies first, how you doing? Hey, I'm good, I'm good, I'm good. I'm super excited to go to Chicago. I fly out super early, so uh, ready for that. I'll probably try to catch a couple Zs on the plane, but excited to head out there into what seems to be a super hot weekend, Bob. Yeah, a hot weekend in the Windy City. And, I mean, both of you guys are attending the event. And, Bob, obviously you are on the first ever edition of Half the Battle. Now you're on the 81st edition of Half the Battle. So it's good to have you back on the show, my man. Feel honored and just the happy tingles. They're just they're coursing right up on through. <laughs> Yeah, not a lot of people can say that they stuck with me 81 episodes deep, so uh, I got to personally thank you for that. And, I mean, we got a great card to talk about. A lot of people have been, uh, you know, not saying the most positive things about this card, but I'm genuinely excited, and I can't wait to talk the fights with you guys. So, I mean, let's start off with the featured Fight Pass prelim. I mean, we got Alex Cowboy Oliveira versus James Moonwalker Muntasri. We're currently looking at Alex Cowboy as a minus 225 favorite with the comeback on the Moonwalker at plus 185. Now, we all know James Muntasri was on the U.S. National Taekwondo team. When this guy shows up in shape and he shows up to the best of his abilities, he's very tough to deal with. You know, and I hate saying stuff like, oh, which version's going to show up because I feel like it discredits the opponent. But with Muntasri, it really is one of those situations because at his best, he is a motherfucker. Now, with Alex Cowboy, he kind of reminds me of the OSP of the lightweight division. You know, very unorthodox, very tough to deal with, very strong and athletic, but he finds a way to get it done unless he's fighting the you know top-level competition. And uh, it's going to be interesting. This fight's at 170. Both of these guys are normally lightweights. I'm curious to see how it goes down. You know, Alex Cowboy has about a 5- or 6-inch reach advantage, which, you know, if he utilizes it, uh, it could be very effective, but we all know Muntasri with that striking background, he might have an answer for it. So as far as I'm concerned, I believe Alex Cowboy is going to try to clinch him, try to get him down to the ground, make him uncomfortable, and bully him from there. But if this stays at striking range, it could get very interesting very quick. Now, Bob, I mean, what's your assessment of the Fight Pass featured prelim? Uh, I think uh, Muntasri is a very, very solid fighter, but he's one of those people that, he has a distinct advantage in the striking, and he only wins when he has the distinct advantage. Anytime anyone can push him, he can't quite handle it. Um, I, I, for whatever reason, I thought he was a 70, and I know it's up at 70, but um, so strength should probably be comparable. Uh, Alex Cowboy is probably going to try to come back from the loss to the only actual Cowboy, and it was a quick tap, so he shouldn't sustain too much damage, but I don't know. I'm starting to think uh, Muntasri has a little bit of a chance. That first round will be key because that first clinch to take down that you're talking about that is absolutely going to happen. Uh, well, if it does happen, gets to the ground, he's going to tire him out, tire out those legs, won't be able to throw much, but I think uh, uh, Cowboy Oliveira should probably shine through, at, I'm going to say, uh, late second, early third round submission. Yeah, Alex has never been the prettiest guy to watch, just like the guy I compared him to, OSP. But he figures out a way to win. So, uh, Trish, I mean, you think Muntasri is going to pull off the upset here? Yeah, definitely. He's my pick. So <clears throat> he's he's at welterweight permanently now. Um, I know he when he missed weight in uh, February of last year, I talked to him after that fight because I was there, and uh, he wanted to make the move, but then he fought Kevin Lee, right? So... Uh, yeah, I, I definitely, I think his striking's on point. I think he's working really hard. Um, I think it's way better fit, even though he's a little bit short at welterweight, a little bit, I mean, his reach is, is obviously, you know, not not uh, what Oliveira's is. But uh, I've, I've got him, I'm picking him, and, and uh, I think he'll pull it off. I think his striking, and, and I, I like him better, you know, at range, and I think he'll, I think he'll pull it off. I've got him. Yeah, and, you know, you bring up some very good points about him going up to 170. You know, I really believe those 15 extra pounds of water, you know, in his brain, in his body, it goes a long way because a lot of these guys that cut to 55, you know, some of my friends that are uh, 6'3", fighting at 155, you know who I'm talking about. <laughs> they cut way too much weight. So, yeah, I think uh, Muntasri is going to be feeling better at 170. Now it's just a matter of can he deal with a very strong and grimy and gritty guy in Alex Cowboy, so I'm very intrigued 
by this matchup. Now, next up, oh, it's funny. We had George Sullivan fighting uh, Hector Urbina, but, you know, USADA struck again, which, you know, a lot of people are saying stuff like USADA is ruining the sport. I completely disagree. You know, I want to see these guys on an even playing field. Like, either everybody should be on steroids or everybody should be off steroids. There shouldn't be guys on steroids whooping on dudes that are off the juice. So I'm, I'm glad to see the even playing field. Just, you know, for myself, even though I'm not a fighter, you know, I have trained martial arts a long time, and I'm not a naturally athletic guy. So when you go in there with someone that's gifted, you can tell the difference firsthand. So, you know, I, I think they made the right call removing uh, Sullivan off the card, and hopefully my boy, our boy, Mike Biggie Rhodes, gets the call. So, you know, guys, go on Twitter, start campaigning, at Team Rock Biggie, and let uh, Dana and the UFC know that you want Mike Biggie Rhodes, at Team Rock Biggie on Twitter, to get that shot versus Hector Urbina. Now, next up, shit's about to get real. We got Darren Elkins. He's minus 185. And the comeback on Godofredo Pepe is plus 160. Now, Elkins has what we like to refer to as a serious grind. I mean, you, you have to respect this man's grind. If you do not knock out or submit Darren Elkins, he will break you. And uh, he will break you in a way where you might... You might not ever want to fight again because he embarrasses dudes. And it's funny. You hit him as hard as you can, and he just keeps walking forward, and then he takes you down, and you get discouraged. You get back up. Then he's on your legs again. You're like, what does it take to get this guy away from me? And he's really figured out how to put it together. You know, he had a couple setbacks. I always say it's important for fighters to take a setback here and there to reassess, evolve, come back a better fighter. And that's exactly what Darren Elkins has done, and now he's really, you know, he's honing his craft. He's figuring it out, and he's looking better than ever with uh, with Godofredo Pepe, or Du Pepe, as we like to call him. So, okay, so you go watch his fight with uh, my boy Felipe Aranches or with Sam Cecilia, and then you watch his current three-fight win streak. It's not the same guy. I mean, we're talking like, uh, you know, when, remember when Vitor went on that three-fight run where he was head-kicking everyone? That's what Godofredo Pe uh, Pepe looked like in his last three fights, except he was going for flying triangles and flying knees. I'm like, damn. But he's taking a year off. A lot has changed in the sport. So we don't know what uh, Pepe is going to look like. Now people can say, oh, let's see what USADA has to say about it. I don't care what USADA has to say about it. I can just go to Instagram and find out for myself and see that he is noticeably smaller. So barring a flying triangle or a flying knee or some kind of stoppage, Darren Elkins will win the long-term battle. What do you think, Trish? Yeah, I, I definitely think, I mean, I got Elkins here. You know, I, I think minus 185 is a, a fine number on him. I think that's what I saw and, and grabbed. And uh, I think, you know, he grinds out for sure. He's so tough. He's just going to keep going. And I think he looks way better uh, after the switch to Team Alpha Male than he's looked before. So I think just refining a little bit of, of you know, what they what Buckholz is doing down there, I think they're doing good things uh, with him. And then I also would probably look just, you know, on a betting standpoint, I, I would probably look at uh, you know decision prop. I don't know. I, I think he's just a grinder. He's not you know. I, I don't think he's going to finish, but I think for sure he's going to win and and get his hand raised. So. Well, we agree he's going to win, but let me ask you this: Would you be surprised if he finished him? Because let's say uh, Pepe is looking a little smaller. It could be a situation like his fight with Aranches and Cecilia, where he's on his back, and if he can't take the punches, you know, he could go out. Yeah, I, no, I, I would be surprised. I would be surprised to see a finish there. Um, you know, I, I, I think it's it's true he's been out for, what, a year? Pepe's yes. been out for a year. Yeah, and looking a little smaller, I haven't seen that. I don't I don't follow him at all, so I didn't I didn't look at any of that. But I think that, I think Pepe will last. Um, and I don't know, you know, I don't know that Elkins pulls that through. I think he'll definitely grind and, and you know, maybe he gets tired too in, in the third and, and doesn't, you know, go for the for the finish there either. I, I think he'll constantly try and he'll grind and he'll you know he'll work. Um, I just don't see a finish happening. His grind is relentless. Now Bob, I gotta know man, are we uh, completing the hat trick as our Canadian friends like to say? Or uh, is uh, Du Pepe gonna pull off a nice little flying triangle here? Well first off in regards to Pepe, Instagram photos are 90% lighting, so you got to know that much. <laughs> but uh, uh, beyond that point, uh, no, I, I think you're right. Um, he, he's, he's game uh, off his back, and obviously he's going to spend some time on his back. Uh, so the first round might be a little bit dicey with throwing up triangles and whatnot, but I do think uh, Elkins is going to win the decision. It's going to be a decision because he has that style of grinding where it's, 
laying on you flat, and the tiny three-inch high hammer strikes to the face. There's not a lot of pepper on them. They're just it's constant. I mean, he's probably going to outstrike them five to one, but they're he might be a little cut up, but he's he's going to look more damaged than a Pepe, given his nickname, I suppose. But yeah, so I'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll complete with the hat trick. And uh, I have not looked at uh, Elkins by decision, but that was one I was waiting on uh, before the props came out. Um, if it's anywhere near even money or even anything under like my like minus 150 or under, I would say that's playable straight or just to boost up a parlay if you want. It's, it's a fairly safe play in my opinion. Another question I have about this fight that you know I'm super curious about. So you recall Elkins' last two fights with uh, Skelly and with Whiteford. You know those guys when they got taken down, and they try to get back up to their feet. Now with uh, Pepe, he's content to lay on his back. He's trying to catch you with triangles. So I want to see if he wants to lay on his back with Darren Elkins because we all know that's a really bad idea. If you but if you go back to Elkins' UFC debut 14 fights ago, that uh, submission by Charles Dubronx, that's exactly what Pepe wants to do. However, I don't believe he'll be able to do that. Now, next up, we wait, got... Wait, 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 wait a second. Quick question. Is, okay. Pepe, is Pepe a top 10 fighter? No. Then he's going to lose. There Elkins you go. Only, I'm, I'm just saying. Uh, Elkins only loses to top 10 fighters. Or, I guess, depends what Drobronx was at the time, but uh, I forgot to mention that. It's like, Pepe, not even top 15. Elkins should say it. That's fine. Yeah. <laughs> That's how we handicap fights around here, right? Now, uh, next exactly. up, we got... Uh, Kamaro Usman. What's his uh, uh, his Twitter name real quick? It's like some UK... Yeah, it's like, I thought it was Usman84KG, something like that. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah I, 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 I was way off. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> we got uh, Kamaro Usman. He's minus 240. Alexander Yakovlev is plus 200. Now, I, I think we're going to have you know some contentious picks here. So I was mentioning how Darren Elkins' grind is serious. Now, Kamaru Usman's grind is serious, too, but I think it's a step down from Elkins. It's like uh, Diet Elkins or Elkins Light, you know what I'm saying? And uh, <laughs> I, I think that if, 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 if this was Alexander Yakovlev's UFC debut, I would genuinely be concerned about him getting grinded out. But now the dude's got so much experience. Three rounds with Paul Daly in Paul Daly's prime, not the current guy we're looking at. Three rounds with Damian Maya on short notice. You know, the Musoki fight where Musoki is just a big-ass motherfucker. And then he comes back against Gray Maynard. Now, a lot of people are like, well, why did he lose that first round of Gray Maynard? Look, when you're 6'3", and you're cutting to 155, it's just, uh, you know what I mean? He's, he was completely sucked out. It's not the same dude. He looked like a little Martian out there. But now, he's back at 170. He put the size back on, and you saw that performance against George Sullivan. I mean, he knocked out that fucking juice head like no problem. And uh, that's no disrespect to Sullivan. He got pulled off the card today, so I'm allowed to say that. But listen, <laughs> Yakovlev put on the performance of his career. And that, to me, I don't believe it was a one-hit wonder. I believe it was a sign of things to come. It was a sign of now he's getting comfortable inside the octagon because it takes time for these guys to you know really feel at home in the UFC under the bright lights. Now with Kamaru, I got so much respect for him too because – on the show, I mean, he beat my teammate Michael Graves, who is no slouch at all. He also beat and Steve Carl. But what really impressed me was his win over uh, Leon Edwards. Rocky, you don't just go in there and grind out Rocky, and he did that. So I got a lot of respect for him. But he's coming off a serious injury. You recall he had to pull out of that Sergene Homer-Rice fight. And uh, I think he might be rushing back too soon. I think uh, the Russians got something to prove here. At plus 200, I'm taking the shot on the Thunder of the North, Alexander Yakovlev. What do you think, Bob? Uh, I'm with you. I actually got it at the open at plus 175, so I'm kind of a little <laughs> mad at you right now, and everyone else that got it at a better price. Um, <laughs> just double-checking. Yakovlev, that's the uh, Russian guy who also raps. Just double-checking. Yeah, awesome. Bad Boy, okay, I think, is his name. Just, I know, just making sure I'm on the right guy. Awesome. Okay, great. Uh, <laughs> um... <laughs> Uh, Usman is a great up-and-comer. He's going to have a great career. He's still fairly green. He's still learning how to blend uh, striking and grappling together. He's getting so much better with the Black Zillions. You could really tell with his striking. So it's coming along. I think Yakovlev still has uh, the edge in striking by quite a bit. Obviously not in uh, the wrestling, but his takedown defense has gotten well enough. Uh, I, I haven't seen Usman take strong shots to the jaw yet. I don't know how he reacts to it. So that's me taking the shot. I actually thought it was good. the lines were going to close 
get a little bit closer towards the end. I guess I was way off. I don't really want to add any more because that's. It's, it, there's like two or three fights a card that are fairly close in my opinion, but one of them's a way bigger dog than they should be. So I'll throw a unit on it and figure judges go whichever way. And in Chicago they do because the judges are terrible. But um, <laughs> yeah, so not I, as bad I, as Texas. Dude, I don't know, man. Did, did you watch Guida, uh Kiyoki? Is that, is that a fight you watched? <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, that was in Chicago. Huh? Uh, hey, but did, is, did is you watch Guida? Benson? Did you watch Benson Henderson, Josh Thompson? Yeah, <laughs> you, did you Holbrook? Did you? I could go on for a while. Bad, <laughs> but although Guida's in Chicago, I, did, I, did, I, did, well, I I know that, but I mean. Still, yeah, <laughs> oh no, they're they're just bad. I don't know what they're watching. Um, well, I went to the UFC Unbox Two. It was the first uh, card where they had a five-round main event that was a non-title fight. Even a, a half the venue and part of the uh, the crew started leaving at the end of the third round of <laughs> Davis Evans. And everyone started chanting oh, for them man. to come back. So, yeah. So it, 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 everyone's not up to par. But no, I, I'm willing to take the shot on Jakob. May he get laid on <laughs> for three rounds? Maybe he can get laid on for three rounds. But that first round, round and a half are going to be very telling uh, if he could touch up Usman a little bit. I mean, I think he's going to get laid on for the first half round. But I think once Yakovlev gets up and tags him with a couple shots, you know, everything's going to change there. Now, Trish. We all picked Darren Elkins with his relentless grind. Now we got this other grinder in Kamaru Uzman, but he's up against a serious challenge in Alexandria Kovalev. So are you going with the dog here, or are you going with the favorite? No, I'm going to go with dog. Uh, plus 200 is nice on that. I think that he's got it. I think, like you said, that the injury uh, that uh, Usman's coming off, um, I, I also think that he's not going to be able to you know, throw, you know, throw a couple strikes and then get in and just lay down on... Uh, Yukovlov, or you know, whatever his yeah. rapper name is, I like that name better. But, uh, <laughs> bad he's, boy, he's, <laughs> bad boy. He's definitely not going to be able to do that uh, to this dude. So I think, yeah, I mean, we're we're you know all three together on this one as well. But uh, you know, plus two hundred, that's a that's fantastic. Um, I looked a little bit at uh, the over, and it's you know minus two fifty five. So not you know nothing. I'll, I'll go for, but uh, definitely think this is, is going to be three rounds, and uh, I don't think there's a finish at all, but I, I'll definitely go the, the plus 200. And sorry about, Bob, sorry about your plus 155. 75. <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> I mean, Bob, it's not too late to add a little bit on that plus two, so, you know, maybe uh, <laughs> maybe hit up the book after uh, after this show, and our next up. <laughs> This is a good fight, man. We got Frankie Signs. He's minus 160, and the comeback on Eddie Wineland is plus 140. Now, a lot of people do think that Signs is for sure going to beat him. Obviously, there are no for sures in this sport. But uh, right now, Wineland's not at the best place in his career. You know, whenever fighters go through that second jaw break, that's when they contemplate retirement. You know, the first jaw break, you know, you overcome adversity. You come back stronger. You know, you learn from it. But that second jaw break... That's when you start to reconsider things. But stylistically speaking, I mean, Frankie Sines likes to rush in there, and Eddie Wineland could counter him with a very crisp straight right, maybe a left hook, maybe an uppercut. But at the end of the day, in this particular spot, I'm going to go with the heart over the skill. I do believe that Eddie Wineland is more skilled, even though he fights with his hands down and his chin up, which is a big no-no long-term in this game. But Frankie is one of these guys... That's named Frankie. When guys are named Frankie, they're relentless. They, you know, you think of my boy Edgar, or uh, as uh, Jose would say, Frankie Edgar. But uh, you know, I think Signs uh, kind of has that Edgar style going for him. You know, he might not be the most athletic guy in the world. He's not talented and gifted, but uh, he can push that pace. And mentally, he's very tough. I think Wineland, you know, he he might not deal with adversity too well in this fight. So he's got to win this early if he wants to win, but I'm going to go with the long-term pick here, and that's Frankie Steins. No bet on my part. What do you think, Trish? Yeah, so no bet for me either. It's super hard because I like Eddie Wineland. I've been a fan of his for a while. Um, I was at his last fight uh, about a year ago, right, Chicago? Mm -hmm. um, so I didn't like how he reacted to what Caraway did. So I also think he's, it's you know, you got a fighter that's on the upswing. If, if we would have talked about Frankie Steins 
a year and a half ago, we wouldn't know who that man is, right? And then you got Uriah fight comes out, looks great, does some things, um, has has some success. He's kind of on an upswing. Eddie's on down. That's you know that's kind of my the way I look at this one. Um, I didn't like the way how the, the way that Eddie reacted to Brian Caraway, and I don't think that uh, he'll do any better here. Unfortunately, um, I'd love to pick Eddie. Uh, I'm a big fan of his, so no bet for me. I don't like to to bet against guys I like. Um, but uh, yeah, signs for me. Bob, I mean, basically, if Eddie's going to win this fight, he's got to come back in a vintage WEC bantamweight championship form. You know what I mean? I do. Um, sadly, I don't I don't think it's going to happen. Uh, <laughs> well, like Trish said, I, I was there too. He hasn't fought in a year, and I'm not sure if it was before that. I know for sure he, after that, but I don't know if it happened before that too. He talked a lot about retirement. I think first time he talked about retirement was after uh, Burrell broke his jaw. And then again, after the last fight, he talked about it again. And when a guy's talking that much about retirement and not fighting in a year and when you're older, and I bet you he probably was retired and then like five, six months ago, some odd like that, the UFC let him know, okay, we're going back to Chicago, we're saving a spot for you, sell tickets, let's do this. Um, I agree with Trish that this is probably going to look a lot like uh, the fight he's going to have with the fight he had with Brian Caraway. Um, I think Signs is basically a cleaner Caraway with a little bit more skill. Uh, he can throw his punches a little bit straighter. Um, not nearly as good on the ground, but his forward pressure in general is good, and that it, that's what Eddie Wendland had trouble with. He was Eddie Wendland likes to throw. Uh, same time counters and he's slowed down so much that he can't quite do it to the effectiveness that he used to so uh, sadly I think he's just he's not going to be up to snuff and at best I think he can pull off a 29-28 loss I think that's probably his best shot um, he'll need to get the range back so he'll probably win like that second or third round from rallying but uh, and this actually is uh, one of my biggest bets on the card. I have a parlay with signs and another fighter later on the card for two units. It's my biggest bet so far. I'm trying to be light on this card, but just I don't see how Eddie Wyland's going to win. It's too many negatives, and all the retirement talk has scared me away from him. Decision prop two. Uh, if you look at all of Frankie Science fights in the UFC, they've all been decision. Um, and then yeah. you got you got Eddie on that that downhill slope. So I think we we take a look at that prop and and see what it is and. Even if it's not a great number, I might throw it in something just because it that's that's what's going to hit. Yeah, uh, Eddie's got to bring back that speed if he wants to win this fight. And one thing to look out for for Frankie, I love how he finishes his combinations with that body kick, that left body kick in particular. Just walk, just pay attention to that. That's his go-to, and uh, it's very effective. Now next up, we got Kaylin Curran. She's minus 110, and Felice Herrig is also minus 110. Now... Here, here's the deal with Kaylin Curran. I, I've actually been very impressed with her. You know, her first two fights, she did drop them, but she was winning them until uh, until she lost. It was one of those situations, and you know, in my uh, in my opinion, where you know she's a little young, you know, a little green, but now she's she's starting to figure it to figure it out. You know, she she was learning her craft. She was figuring it out. Now she's at King's MMA, and uh, I think the results are really going to show here because look, Felice Herrig. A year ago, when Paige Van Zandt whooped that ass, uh, Felice was already uh, on her way out. So now she takes a year off and is coming back, and she never really was that good to begin with. I know a lot of people might consider her one of the pioneers. For me personally, not really, but uh, you know, it, it is what it is. I think Kaylin's the more relentless. You know, there's something about those Hawaiians, man. Something in the air over there. Those those fighters got some spirit to them. And with Kaylin Curran patching up, you know, her previous mistakes that she showed in her two losses, I think she's going to be a force to be reckoned with in this division. Now she's got that confidence of that first victory under her belt, and I think uh, she's going to carry on that momentum here. So Trish, you with me on Kaylin Curran, or is uh, Felice going to come back off a year layoff and get the victory? I'm with you. No bet for me. Uh, I think about where Kaylin's good, where Felice is good. Um, I think Kaylin lands way more. Uh, Felice absorbs way more. Um, her defense is is <clears throat> not there. I think when you look at takedowns, uh, who knows? I think Kaylin the, the the strike against her is is 
you know, losing them at the end. Like you're saying, yeah, she's winning until she loses. Um, there's no bet for me on this one. This one's, uh, I think the lines have been, they're, they, I think they flipped, but uh, last I saw, I thought uh, Kern was maybe the favorite, slightly. Um, no bet, though. It's, that's, a, that's not a fight that I think is going to be, you know, anything other than uh, Kaylin winning and hopefully at the end. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> dude, a, just don't mess awesome. it up at the end. But the good thing <laughs> is, in Felice's last fight, she got tired, you know, in the last two rounds. So that's good news for us if we're picking Kaylin. So, Bob, I mean, are we picking Kaylin here or what? Um, I mean, Talmaster wise I'll probably pick who's ever the dog come fight night because I think it's going to be that close. Um, I have one unit on the over uh, that fight <laughs> with... I, I know, I know, but I'll explain that in a second. Um, uh, along with a uh, fighter later on the card, but uh, this is going to be a lot of awkward scrambles. Like, there's just going to be so many, and... It's the only thing that scares me away from uh, Kaylin because we know that she can give it up at the end, get choked. So I'm afraid that it's going to be an awkward scramble. And Felice is good on the ground, but they both have such a tendency to get into a dominant position, overcommit, and completely lose position. So it's just going to be a lot of falling over on top of each other. Uh, I do think uh, Herrig has the the edge standing. I think she can land more, but... Um, she has tends to have to be consistent with that. I mean, this this decision could really go either way. I think this is one of those times where like Kaylin would have been better served to stay like go to like Invicta for a couple fights and really build herself up. She kind of got I don't want to say fed to the wolves because even when she fought Paige Van Zandt, they were both kind of they were both four and zero I think when they fought or something like that. So they were kind of comparable, but she's kind of been fed to the wolves to a degree. Uh, I do think she has obviously a way higher ceiling. I think. Police hit her ceiling a while ago, and she's not changing. But um, it's one of those fights. Like, Felice is on the downside. Kaylin's on the way up. Who's higher now? I don't know. Like I said, uh, I like Kaylin. She kind of throws me off with how much she loses when she's winning, as I said, which is the <laughs> most awkward but yet perfect statement to describe her. But uh, I think she should win. But, again, judges, these judges, I, it's going to go to decision because... Actually, one it's probably gonna happen just as a little like jab that's gonna make me want to like punch somebody. Is it's gonna be one of them getting choked out or tap out at like a minute into the third round, and we'd both be happy and angry all at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. So next up, we got Francis Nganu. He's minus seven hundred, and the comeback on Boyan Mihajilovic is plus five hundred. Now Francis Nganu, I mean. They have very uh, high expectations and a very high perception of Francis Ngannou because this is a guy that, you know, he's a European prospect, but now they're bringing him over to the United States. They're giving him that slot on Fox. That shows you the kind of potential they see in this guy. And in my opinion, I see it too. The dude, obviously, we know he's an athletic specimen. That, no, no one needs to debate that. The issue has always been, you know, his takedown defense and his get-up game. But, I mean, in his UFC debut, he got up from the takedown, right? There might have been a little early ref uh, stand-up in there. But, hey, we're not going to complain, right? If we get stood up and we keep fighting, that's a good sign. So that's what he did. Then his very next fight, he goes in there against Curtis Blades, who, correct me if I'm wrong, guys, but – Curtis Blades was like a D2 wrestler, and he's a training partner of the current heavyweight champion, Steve Miocic. And uh, Francis didn't have uh, too many issues dealing with the takedowns there either. He's got a choke. I deal with Boyan. This is almost like a Misha Serkinov versus Kutaleba situation where, yes, the underdog is a very aggressive and violent guy, but he's simply too small for the weight class. And uh, he's also a can crusher. So Francis is going to get that showcase here, and he's going to be one of – he already is one of the most promising emerging heavyweight prospects. And I believe after he wins this fight, uh, you know, are they going to give him another uh, can of crush, or do you think they'll finally give him a name, Trish? Uh, I think they're going to go one more. I, I really do because, like you said, I think they want to build him up. So I think – I mean, maybe it'll be a little closer – Maybe not a, a complete can, but, uh, you know, the, the other thing that you wonder there is, I mean, who else is left before you start getting up there? I mean, th these guys, heavyweights, you, you win a couple and you're, you know, in the hunt, right? So 
I don't know. I think they try to find somebody that's not a huge name, but uh, just to build him up a little bit more, maybe get him, uh, you know, another another win on a big stage. Uh, I the only thing I look at with this is the the under. Um, I think that was minus one seventy five. Uh, he he deserves to be a minus seven hundred favorite in this. He's definitely. I mean, like you said, uh, his opponent has only beaten cans, so it's. This is going to be just squash. So, Yeah, now, Bob, I mean, we can all agree Enganu has shown very good qualities. Like I said, he's willing to get up from the takedowns with a lot of guys. You know, I say willing, and it sounds funny because it's a fight, but a lot of guys are content to lay on their backs and just get grinded out. Enganu is not one of those guys. He's got that will to win, and when it gets back up, as you saw in both of his UFC appearances, he's devastating with his KO power, and obviously we don't need to talk about his physique. Look what he looks like. You know, it's funny because Chet Congo used to be the guy that you look at this guy, and if you never saw him fight, you'd be like, wow, that guy must be world champ. Well, yeah, Francis but this is Check 2.0. This is Check 2.0. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. That, that's where I'm going with it. So, you know, with Francis Ngannou, he looks like that, but he can fight too. So I'm like, yes, they finally got it right. There's finally a legit French prospect that can do damage in the heavyweight division. So, I mean, Bob, is it going to be a first-round knockout, second-round TKO? I mean, is he going to answer the belt between the second and third? How's it going to go down, my man? Well, first, uh, this is for Kyle Marley. <laughs> he told me to be sleeveless, so there's the, his little nuggets. We can shut it off and go to sleep now. Um, <laughs> as far as uh, <laughs> Francis uh, Nagu, I'm probably going to pronounce his name terribly. I'm horrible at pronouncing names. I could type them. I can't pronounce them. But, uh, but it's just funny. The last guy he beat, Curtis Blades, that's the Chicago guy. So he beat the guy and gets to play, fight in his hometown out, whatever, besides the point. Um, I agree. His opponent's a complete can crusher. If you look at his record, his first three fights were losses, and they were the only three fights that were not in his home country. So a little sketch right there. Uh, on top of that, no, I think, yeah, this, this guy is Czech 2.0. It's what they wanted Czech Congo to be. They thought they labeled him as the... French striking champion, and he ended up being a dirty wrestler who fouled, stomped, and grabbed shorts. It was his thing. But, uh, no, this guy actually strikes. And No, but think, think about that. That first flight with, uh, actually, the guy he fought is on this card. He's one of the uh, prelim bouts, I think. Uh, and that fight, I think, is going to go over because they're going to, fatty going to fatty, as uh, Fred <laughs> Trish would say. But, um, no, this one, I, I agree with Trish. I don't think this is going to go uh, past around and a half. Uh, between his first and second fight with like four months in between going against a vastly superior wrestler, he went from getting taken down like four or five times and I had to re I rewatched that fight before the Curtis Blades fight to remember like how easily he got taken down. He pretty much bounced back up. Yeah, there was that one questionable stand up, but for the most part he bounced right back up. And against Kurt, like Curtis Blades could not get him down. And that like that is that is that guy's a heavyweight. He's not too small, not whatever. He's pushing the limit, and he couldn't keep him down. So I think he's going to uh, measure his strikes in the first, um, get that kicking range first, then get a little bit closer, get striking range, and then he's just going to destroy this guy. And this guy's an undersized heavyweight too. So, yeah, he's going to demolish him and uh, probably an under round and a half. I have that. Uh, I have him. He's with the uh, Herrig uh, current over for the one unit together. It's a little bit over even money. Uh, for any questions, all this stuff is uh, pinned on my uh, Twitter profile. But... You know, he's going to hurt him. It's going to be bad. It's going to be entertaining. And <laughs> I know I'm just happy to have a heavyweight prospect more than anything. And I agree with Trish. Like, he's probably going to have one more can. And then, yeah, like, you kind of get, like, have to get thrown wolves at heavyweight because, I mean, who else, who else is he going to fight? There's the, the yeah, you can't. Go ahead. You can't, you, can't, you can't bring back uh, Pat Barry for one more. But, you know, both of <laughs> you guys bring up such good points in terms of the improvements that he's made because, like you said, in his fight with Luis Henry, he did get taken out, but he showed he was able to pop back up. Then in his fight with Curtis Blades, like we mentioned, I think he's a D2 wrestler. He stopped the takedowns. That, to me, is a sign of improvement. You always want to look for guys that are consistently evolving. And that was four and, months and apart. Better. Those two months were four months apart. He improved that much in four months. It's crazy. He's been putting in work, man. What can I say? <laughs> so next up, we got the people's main event. We got Edson Jr. Barboza. He's minus 225. The comeback on Gilbert El Nino Melendez is plus 185. Now, look, Gilbert Melendez was 1-3 in the UFC on the sauce. What's he going to be like on the tacos? 
So, I mean, basically, the way I look at it is, I mean, look, in, in Gilbert, back in his day... <laughs> I don't, know, I don't know why that was so funny, but that got me just right. Gilbert back in his day was one of the best lightweights of all time. I mean, back in Strike Force when he was the champion, you know, even though the fight with Masvidal was a little controversial, the fight with Josh Thompson was a little controversial. The, the third one, I know they had a trilogy. So you look at Gilbert's last title defense against Josh Thompson in Strike Force. Everyone thought Josh won that fight. So arguably at that point, you could have said. You know, Gil's on the decline. He's had a great career, but every great fighter has to eventually hit that decline. And he comes to the UFC. Some people thought he beat Ben. Some people thought he lost. But you know how it goes when you fight Ben. It's always a controversial split. Then he fights Diego Sanchez. When you fight Diego Sanchez and you're a guy at Gil's caliber, I mean, go out there and decisively beat him. Don't don't get dropped in the third round and, you know, engage him in the kind of fight that he wants to fight. Then uh, what happened? He got a title shot next against Pettis. You know, we know what happened there. And then... uh. In, against Alvarez, you know, Gil pulled the same shit that Kane pulled. They're they're supposed to be these Mexican heroes, and they don't go out early in advance to acclimate to the to the altitude and elevation, which is a sign of lack of professionalism. And then he pops. So I was like, dude, you were enhanced, and you still didn't look that good. So now he's coming back, and he's fighting a dude who's looking better than he's ever looked. I mean, Barboza, the biggest issue for him has always been, you know, we question his chin a little bit, but. The way that he's been uh, improving his defense, he's found a way to work around it, just like uh, the Reem has. And, I mean, that victory over Pettis, to outstrike a guy like Anthony Pettis for three rounds, that can only elevate your confidence. So Edson's coming in here full of confidence. He's brimming. I mean, this guy, he's ready to go now. He feels like he can be a world champion. And I I don't uh, disagree with him. You know, I think he's got all the skills. You just had to find a way to not take punches right here, and I think he's found a way to do that, you know? His head movement, his footwork, the angles. You know, ever since he started working with Mark Henry, you know, I always talk about this dude, Mark Henry, absolute genius. You know, this guy's got a mansion, and in the basement of that mansion, he's got all these codes on the wall for his fighters, you know, and he shouts it out during the fight. He's like, Jersey, Jersey, and they, they do some crazy shit. So they all know, you know, the, the code names, you know, with uh, Eddie Alvarez against uh, Rafael Dos Anjos. You know, uh, Mark Henry's like, Anaconda, Anaconda. So uh, <laughs> RDA's got his guard up, completely up, you know, per perfect hand position and everything. And Eddie finds the smallest gap between RDA's forearm and his bicep to crack him right on the button, which was unbelievable. That's the kind of genius we're dealing with, with Mark Henry. And I know Mark Henry's going to find openings in Gil's game, and uh, Edston's going to exploit it, whether it's a, a body kick knockout whether it's a 30-27, I do believe this will be a statement by Edson Jr. Barboza, and we'll be talking about him in title contention. So, Bob, you with me here, or you think uh, this uh, one-in-three uh, guy is going to come back and make a big statement? Uh, I agree with you. He's actually the second half of that bigger play I got with signs. Um, I just, not at the open, it dipped a little bit, and that's when I got it. I, have the, I usually don't do parlays unless they're a little bit over plus money, and that one is... Um, Gil has slowed down quite a bit, and and by the way, you saying that he did not go down to Mexico to acclimate, he absolutely did. He went right down there, went to the supplement store, and he got the appropriate stuff to acclimate. <laughs> Apparently, it's still uh, but uh, even Gil five years ago is not as fast of a striker as Edson is, and I actually don't even necessarily. Think, I'm I've completely rethought my whole thought on Edson Barbosa's chin. I same thing. I thought it was terrible. And I realized it wasn't necessarily his chin as much as it's that, that rush of pressure. Like when someone just puts that pressure right on him, he didn't he didn't know how to he mainly just didn't know how to strike going backwards. So he just would lift his chin up and run backwards, which never works, but gets a hit. But like and I think it's Mark Henry. I'm loving this guy too, and he he actually taught him how to circle out, which for whatever reason, I don't know how many fighters don't know how to circle out. He just circles out and strikes, circles out and strikes, circles out and strikes. It's great. And Gil is still that fighter that's going to run at you with strikes, and if they're not working, immediately go to a takedown each time. Forward, back, forward, back, forward, back. He's going to get cracked uh, with a hook on the way out. He's going to get uh, that switch kick. He's going to get leg kicks. He's going to... Like, similar to the previous fight with uh, Eddie Wineland. He's on the decline, and the best thing he can hope for in this fight is a 29-28 loss by really going for it that first round. But by the second round, Barbosa will adjust, 
he will acclimate and he will start putting his pressure on. He is more athletic. He is faster. He is longer. I would say he's stronger. I would say he's stronger in the clinch, maybe not in other spots, but I, I think it's his fight to lose. I think he's on the upswing. I think every fight since... I'll say since the Cowboy loss, all dated till then, he has gotten progressively better every single time. He hasn't always won, but he's always gotten better. And even against Ferguson, like, if anybody else got hit with the shots that Barbosa was hitting Ferguson with, he's going down. So he would have won that fight. Just Ferguson can't be killed by normal methods. It's just a thing. <laughs> so, no, I'm, I'm with you. I think Barbosa puts on a show. We'll put it that way. Now, Trish, it's so intriguing because Gil actually does have the style to beat Barboza in the sense that he's got that relentless pressure, and the guys that have beat uh, Barboza in the past, they walk through his shots, and, you know, Jamie Varner, Tony Ferguson, those guys, they didn't care what Edson brought to the table. My question here is, you know, is Gil, uh, is, I mean, is he still young enough? Is he still fresh and fast enough to deal with someone in peak prime form like Edson Barboza right now? No, no, he's uh, he's probably gonna get hurt in this one. I think that uh, you know there's not much to add to what you guys have already said. Barboza is gonna run away with this. I mean, at best, El Nino gets a a round, but I don't think so. I I don't even think he gets that round. I think that uh, Edson's coming off of that Pettis win. That's so much confidence, like you said, and that's just momentum. And I mean, going back to camp plus. Their camp's super stoked because they got a belt over there now. I mean, yeah, they're they're doing the right things. Um, he, yeah, he's going to run away with this. So next up, we got the main event of the evening. We got Holly Holm, and wow, a lot of money has come in on Bullet Valentina, and rightfully so. Yeah, it's minus 220 for Holly Holm. Valentina Shevchenko is plus 180. You know, it's an interesting fight. I always, always, always look to fade Holly Holm. Now, uh, it's funny. In, in her, you... Daniel, did we lose you, dude? Yeah, I think we did. He was going to say that he's going to fade her again, I think. Are you on... Are you, You're on Shevchenko. Yeah, but he was on it before me. He, yeah. If this is still playing and Daniel is not talking, he has a bet <laughs> on uh, Shevchenko, but he got it at plus 350 when it was at its highest. I dilly-dallied and got it at plus 290. So kudos to him. Not sure how much you put down, but... Yeah, or, or we're both freezing. just try to add me in? I think so. So I'm my, I, I think I'm the only one that I've seen... In a, in a little bit, I think I'm the only one on home, so I don't know. We'll see what happens. Dude, there's two Daniel faces on my screen. I don't even know what to do <laughs> right. know, I'm back. I'm back in here. Hey. So, as I was saying, in Holly Holmes' UFC debut, I was one judge's scorecard away from cashing a plus 450 on Raquel Pennington. Then her very next fight against Marion Renault, you know, none of my friends are talking about that fight. Uh, we, we don't remember that fight. Then her very next fight against uh, Ronda Rousey. Holy shit! That might be the single best uh, women's MMA performance we've ever seen in our lives. Wow. Unbelievable. You know, it's funny. I I'm a musician. I love music. And there's always these bands that you refer to as a one-hit wonder. For example, The Turtles. We all know the song So Happy Together. Unbelievable song. But can you name me any other of their songs? I, I don't think you can, and either can not. And that's how Ninja I rap? <laughs> that, 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 that's how I do Holly Holm, man. And uh, what was uh, Holly's next fight? Misha. So it's funny. The one time I don't fade Holly Holm is the one time uh, she lose she loses. You know what I mean? And she lost to Tate. I thought for sure she was going to be Tate. I was like, you know, Tate's sloppy. I know she's aggressive and gritty, but she's too sloppy for Holm. And then she goes out there and beats Holm. Luckily, I was able to, you know capitalize on my, my homie Amanda taking care of biz, but in this spot, look, if I need to create a fighter to beat Holly Holm, this is what I'd do. I'd say, let me get a 17-time Muay Thai world champion, someone that's beat Joanna Janjacek three times in kickboxing and pure striking. So you can't uh, dive on Joanna's legs, you can't clinch, you can't run away, you have to fight her. And this chick beat her three times in a striking fight. That says a lot. Not only that, I want someone that can weather an Amanda Nunes storm, which one doesn't simply do, as you saw in her uh, championship-winning effort. You don't just get out of the first round with Amanda Nunes. 
Valentina got out of the first round. She even went on to win the third. Now, obviously, it doesn't matter that it wasn't a five-round fight. You can't change history. It was a three-rounder. She lost fair and square. Had that been a five-round fight, she would have won. This is a five-round fight. So now she gets to, you know, take the first two rounds off like she did in that Amanda Nunes fight, come back hard the next three. I think she's got the style to beat uh, Holly. I think when Holly goes in there and does those nice uh, Greg Jackson, you know, side kicks to the leg, those oblique kicks, that's where I think Valentina can uh, counter back with a 2-3 leg kick and uh, outpoint her, possibly take her down to the ground. We've seen Holly has a weakness on the ground. So, look, when it was plus 350, I was like, holy shit, that's crazy. Maybe it'll get to plus 400. That was a big error on my part because then it went down, so I hit it at plus 305, which still pretty damn good compared to the plus 180 it's at now. So, you know, one unit on there. Basically, for me, this is what my night comes down to. If Yakovlev wins, I have a winning night. If Val if Bullet Valentina wins, I have a winning night. If they both win, I have a great night. If they both lose, then I move on the next week in ATL. It's all good. So long-term game, those are my two dogs. Now, I kind of got cut out here for, for a second. They took me out of this uh, this group call. So <laughs> did you guys give your perspectives by chance? Yeah. Just so -wise. yeah, just picks. I think uh, we thought that you we thought that you grabbed that 350. Um, I said that for me, I, I think I'm the only one on home. I think there's something to be said for her not dropping uh, two fights in a row in her career. Um, so I think that's important to look at. I also think that she wants to be back in title contention. Um, I do think that this is, you know, who knows with the with the title picture at, at 35 is is pretty nuts right now. But I think that uh, I think home does it. I like her to to be aggressive. I like her to, you know, maybe show us some of the, the stuff that she's done in the Holly fight, or sorry, in the Ronda fight. Um, and I, I do think that she's, you know, she's going to come through. I'm not sure that uh, Shevchenko in her, you know, taking rounds off and, and that type of thing, I don't know how that's going to go. I think that's the, the place where Holly will be aggressive, um, and we'll see how it, how it turns out for her. Obviously, there's been a, a lot of Holly fights where she hasn't been, and it's just all about the, the counter and, and being on her bicycle and, and that type of thing. So we'll see. Um, I'm, I'm definitely on Holly, though, for this one. Who you got, Bob? Uh, I got Chipchenko. I got her at the 290. I missed the 350 and the 305. Um, <laughs> going Wait, hold on. Did you say you got her at all three of those, or you missed no, the two? Uh... I said I got her at... At 290, I missed the 305. Uh, okay, the 350, But you and me were first talking about her at 350, and I was like, ah, I'm still still waiting. And the next time I saw it, it was plus 290. So either way. Um, I think the her taking rounds off, like Trish said, has me concerned. What up, guys? So our first stream cut out, but we are back live right now. You already heard my breakdown of the main event. You heard Trish's breakdown. Now we got MMA State of Mind's breakdown of Holly Holm versus Bullet Valentina. I had a whole thing going before, so give me a second while I work back into this. <laughs> uh, uh, I'm on Shevchenko. Uh, I got her at the plus 290. I didn't miss I missed the 305 and the 350. I have one unit on it. I think uh, is way closer than those lines indicate. Um, it's a little bit closer now, or it might have swung a little too much in one way. Uh, I think she's going to land more volume and win up points that way. She's probably going to drop the first round during uh, her feeling out period that she always has. Uh, hopefully that doesn't extend to two rounds because then she has to win the remaining three. I do think it's going to go to decision. I actually had, I didn't say this before, I had uh, taken a look at Shevchenko by decision. It was plus 500 before. Uh, if it's anywhere near that, I'll probably put a quarter unit on that too to make up for it. Uh, it's not going to make or break my night, but I really do think it's going to happen and... Oh, then you all guys also missed this cool thing I said last time. You're in for a treat. So what you missed before, what Daniel said, this awesome wordplay that he had when he said that his <laughs> home girl Amanda took care of business. It was awesome. Oh. Uh, this, this one's more fake laughter. It was a little bit more boisterous the first time, but it's all good. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, Shevchenko by uh, decision. I'm going to say 48 for a 7. I think she's going to drop the first round for sure. And then... Uh, I'll say lose the, I'm, I'm going to say she's going to win the middle three rounds. All right, so for everyone tuning in right now, you know, we got a split decision. Bob and I are going with the underdog bullet, Valentina, and Trish is going with the former champion. 
Holly Holm. So we got to tune in to Fox this Saturday to find out who will be the victor. Now we got to talk about the fight to watch and the fighter to watch. So first up, the fight to watch for UFC Chicago. I mean, Bob, Chicago, it's not too far away from you. What's the fight to watch, man? Uh, I am not going to say Barboza Melendez because then <laughs> you guys are all stuck saying something else. <laughs> so what I'm going to say is I'll go with uh, Ninganu and then the guy's name that I'm not even going to attempt to pronounce. Uh, <laughs> I'm doing that as a form of respect because if you would ever hear me try to say his name, he'd feel bad, and I don't want him to feel bad. <laughs> Ninganu's going to make him feel bad enough. Um as much as it's a little bit skewed more one way, every chance you're going to see this guy with a new wrinkle to his game, it's a fight to watch. He is the future of the heavyweight division. I'm not saying he's going to be champ. I don't know that. He could have some glaring holes I don't know about. But any fight he has is a fight to watch. Now, Trish, in your opinion, what is the fight to watch for UFC on Fox 20? So, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go... The the co-main, but I, I so the co-main is is for sure the fight for everybody. That's kind of the the go-to. But I'll throw a, a fight pass one up there just for fun as well. Uh, one we didn't uh, go into uh, as far as breakdowns. Jim Aylers Allers, I don't know how you pronounce it. Um, against Knight. So the reason I say this is the fight to watch is both are very very good on the ground. Um, Aylers has won a, a couple of different tournaments and. And you know, I was doing some good things uh, in Gi. So I saw something, and and Knight, that's where he's best for sure. He's you know his stand up is is lacking. Uh, but I saw on Twitter where he he said a message to Jim, and he said, "I'll be ready standing in the middle of the octagon, and neither one of us like let's not go to the ground, whatever." And so <laughs> I think it's always funny when two grapplers and and Jim replied back and said, "All right, let's do it. No, you know, we're not going to the ground." Obviously, I, I think people do that quite a bit just to you know get hype or, or get you know get their heads right. Um, I don't think that will happen because both these guys are are much better on the ground. I think if it does though, I think it would be fun to watch, um, and I think Jim would would definitely win uh, in the striking. So I think that'll be just a fun one on Fight Pass. Um, those guys are doing good things, and and so we'll we'll make the. Fun fight on or the fight to watch. I'll, I'll say a, a fight past one, other than the Comey. So. so Trish, you know both these guys made that uh, mutual agreement to stand and bang, which means someone's going to shoot for a takedown in the first minute. First so second. let me ask yeah. you. <laughs> so, so let me let me ask you this: It's either going to be an Ailer's double leg, or it's going to be Jason Knight pulling guard, which he is known for. Yes, it's it's which which is going to be. It's definitely Jason Knight point guard. He that's what he's gonna do 100%, which is fine. I mean, I got Ailers uh, in in that anyway. I think um, I think he does a you know he, he's coming along nicely. I would say um, yeah, I, I've got him, and I think Knight's gonna pull guard, and it's gonna be pretty funny because I took a screenshot of that. Uh, let's stand and, and bang, and, and so we'll, we'll see what happens. But uh, it's yeah. definitely definitely going to the ground. Yeah, my fight to watch is Darren Elkins versus Pepe. Look, Pepe is obviously the more athletic guy. He's a finisher. He's on a three-fight win streak. But the way Darren Elkins breaks these guys down, the way he grinds them out, you know, a lot of people say it's boring. For me, it's not boring at all. I love watching him, grown man grown men, and that's exactly what he does, and that's what I think he's going to do Saturday night, so that's your fight to watch. Now, if Darren Elkins somehow loses, it's going to be via devastating finish, so again, you got two reasons to watch that fight. Both guys bring it in their own unique ways, so Darren Elkins versus uh, Dupepe is my fight to watch. Now, we got to talk about the fighter to watch for UFC Chicago. You guys aren't off the hook yet, so Bob, <laughs> fighter to watch, man. Who is it? Uh, I'll go with Barboza. Uh, for a couple reasons. Um, uh, although I think he's had tough, tougher fights, I think this is his highest profile fight, given name recognition, although he's fought guys uh, higher in the ranks, and even though Gil's coming off a year's suspension, the common fan knows Gil. He's been around forever, everyone likes him, puts on fight of the year candidates, so if he can really show up, and I mean really show up, he's a shoo-in for maybe not the next title shot, but actually... God, he's super close with Eddie Alvarez. That just ruins everything. 
Yeah, he said he wouldn't <laughs> fight him, huh? So yeah. it's all good. We got uh, El Cucuy, and we got to get rid of uh, the bear wrestler too. So I think we got plenty of contenders. But he doesn't have knees, though. How, how do well, you that... fight without knees? Listen, me and my boy Paul Shag <laughs> have a bet on this. I said this dude with no knees won't be champ. Paul Shag said he would. So uh, I, I genuinely hope the fight happens. <laughs> Hey, so uh, real quick, I just got a text message that uh, Melvin Gillard missed weight. Now, Trish, I got to know, who is your fighter to watch for UFC Chicago? Uh, so I'm going to go with James Muntasri. Uh He's a, you know, I, I've been to a couple of his fights. I've talked to him. Um, good dude. And, and I think watching him, you know, have another fight at welterweight will be good. Plus, he's he's fireworks when he gets to, you know, strike as he wants to. And, uh I mean, he's got you know one of the sickest KOs uh, that I've seen. So we'll see what he does. Uh, I think this is a great matchup for him, just in terms of of a step up. And and so I'm excited to see what he does. So he'll be my fighter to watch for the card. Yeah, Muntasri is absolutely a fighter to watch anytime he competes. And you talk about that last KO he had. I mean. You know, for me to try to think about it, so you're spinning, you kick him with one side, then you spin and punch him with the same side. It's like, how did you do that, man? Like, right. I was like, damn, so I need to, like, put that shit on a GIF and, like, watch it a hundred times in a row because he literally does the shit, the kick and the uh, punch on the same side, but they're both spins. I'm like, damn, this motherfucker, when he's on his game, he is nothing to be messed around with, so... I mean, I 100% agree. You've got to look out for a guy like Muntasri. Anytime he shows up, he's devastating. Now, my fighter to watch is Alexander Yakovlev. Look, this is the opportunity of a lifetime. If you can go out there and stop the hype train of the serious grinder, the ultimate fighter winner, he's had a lot of exposure on Fox Sports 1. He's had his commentating gigs. I mean, Kamaru Usman's getting his name out there, and rightfully so. He's a very good competitor. But if Alexander can go out there and beat him, that'll only elevate him that next level and uh, maybe we'll see some more uh, rap videos down the line so listen, <laughs> Alexander Yakovlev is my fighter to watch for UFC Chicago, now we're going to do a brief analysis of the early prelims, just real brief so we got Luis Henrique versus Dmitry Smolyakov and Smolyakov is minus 155 the comeback on Henrique is plus 135 the way I view this is Smolyakov, you know, he is Russian. It's tough to bet against Russia, but he's never been outside of Europe. This is his first time coming to the States. He's a total can crusher. Even though Luis Henrique got knocked out in devastating fashion by Nganu, at least he got some takedowns early. He's got the UFC experience. He knows what it's like to compete under the bright lights. He knows what it's like to compete out of Brazil. I'm going to go with the upset and pick Luis Henrique to get the victory here. Who you got, Trish? Uh, same thing. I, I His cardio, uh, more well-rounded. Um, other guys just just beat cans, and so yeah, Henrique is is my pick uh, as as the dog. So not a good enough number, I don't think, to play. But uh, great breakdown and from you, and I am totally on board. Yeah, and uh, who you got, Bob? Uh, I'll, I'll agree with uh, Henrique. I more uh, looked at this as a fight that's going to go over, only because mm -hmm. I I think he is the better at takedowns, and he's probably going to be using those at least the first round. I, I would guarantee it's going to get out of the first round. And if it's going to get out of the first round, if you can go an extra couple minutes, I'm cool with that. So, But mm -hmm. I do think uh, Henrik with the Octagon experience, and he did have some success before he got brutally knocked out. So, I mean, maybe he'll use that to his <laughs> advantage this time. It's always an interesting dynamic when everyone picks an underdog, but then we don't bet on it. So uh, are we going to feel kind of dumb here? When the cash is plus oh, one, oh, okay. The, the All right, there you go. 35. I went with that. Bob's invested, guys, so uh, <laughs> at least one of us is putting it on the line. Now, next up, we got Trisha's fight to watch between Jim Ehlers, who's minus 190, with the comeback on Jason Knight at plus 165. Now, we know the deal with Knight. He's a rubber guard kind of dude, and some people say the rubber guard doesn't work in MMA, and often it doesn't, especially at the highest level. However, this kid Knight does have a very good victory over a very scary Russian uh, that he beat. I think it was back in M1 or one of those leagues, and, I mean, he, he can pull it off. You know, he took his fight with, uh, uh, was it uh, Kawajiri or Mizugaki? I think it was Kawajiri. He took it on a week, on a week short notice, and, uh, you know, he got grinded out. Just the way the styles match up, that, that was a bad matchup for him. Now on a full training camp, I'm curious because with Ehlers, 
he's had a lot of hype. You know, at one point, this is there's a little tidbit. He was scheduled to fight Conor McGregor at Cage Warriors. So, uh, you know, this guy's been around the block for sure. And uh, my biggest issue with Ehlers has always been the chin. And uh, maybe maybe the will to win a little bit. I, I don't see him, you know, in that Cole Miller fight, it looked to me like he was on his way to losing until uh, Cole decided he didn't want to continue anymore. So I really have no idea. I, I'm going to go at night, but, I mean, I'm not confident at all here. Trish, it sounds like you have you know, the most confident – perspective and opinion on this fight. So why don't you give it to us here? Yeah, I think Ehlers is the pick for me. Um, you know, I think he's he's got the, the stand-up uh, much better than the Knights striking defense. So, um, you know, I think that, you know, like we like we kind of alluded to earlier, I definitely think that, that Knight's just going to pull guard. And uh, that's fine. I think that Ehlers will handle his business there and... and uh, I expect Ehlers to win. I, it's it's a it's a no play for me at minus two hundred, but um, and and you know I don't know that the number should. Eh, it's it's probably right. Um, yeah, Jason Knight's gonna gonna lose, so it's Ehlers. So, Bob, you got Jason Knight getting grinded out, or you think he's gonna find a way to maybe get a a Goga Plata, an Uma Plata, or something <laughs> like that? Uh. Grind it out, yes. It's not going to look that way because, I mean, uh, do you think Ehlers is better uh, as much as I've seen of him, even though, I mean, obviously the last time it just ended with him being, like, half his finger deep in Cole Miller's eye. But uh, <laughs> Knight isn't terrible, and he, he's the one that got laid on by Kawajiri, right? I'm not misremembering. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, uh, yeah. Ehlers isn't as much of a grinder as Kawajiri, so he won't be able to as be as suffocating, like how we were talking about Darren Knuckles, how he'll like lay on you and your arms will be out, you can't do a lot. Um, Knight will have a little bit of room to work, so he'll throw some stuff up. I mean, I don't, other than him maybe getting something on the first go, I mean, it's going to get less like less likely as it goes on, so I do think Ehlers wins, but it'll look more competitive than it probably should. Alright, last fight we're going to break down, and then I'll let you guys go. Thank you so much for taking the time to speak with me on Half the Battle. And we got Michelle Prezeres. He's minus 235 in the comeback on the UFC newcomer. J.C. Cottrell is plus 195. Now look, when Michelle Prezeres was initially supposed to fight Tony Martin, interestingly enough, I was actually going to take that shot on Tony Martin. I thought, stylistically speaking, that was a matchup that favored Martin. But uh, now with J.C. Cottrell, you know... He's got some things going for him. He's experienced. I mean, I think he brings in a 16-3 and record into the UFC, which it's always good when these guys come in with experience. He knows what it's like to overcome a defeat. You know, he's, he's faced defeat and come back and won. That's such a big deal compared to these guys that are 8-0 and coming into the UFC that haven't, you know, been through any rough shit yet. J.C. Cottrell's been around the block, but I think he's getting uh, this fight a little bit too soon in terms of, you know, no training camp. I mean, I don't even know if he's in shape. And also, word on the street was that he fought at 145 recently. You're too small against a little tank machine like Prezeris. That's not going to go well. I know uh, he beat Taisumov, but that's not the same Taisumov we see today. In my opinion, uh, Prezeris lost to Valmir Lazaro, but hey, controversial decisions are a part of this sport. And when you're on the right side of one, you know, take it. And when you're on the wrong side of one, you, you can't complain because you know what you're dealing with with these judges. I think Michelle Prezeris will find a way to be a backpack in this fight and, you know, grind out J.C., but uh, I'm curious to see what J.C. brings to the table because, like I said, very experienced guy. He's been in there with a lot of dudes, and he's coming into the UFC. You know, it's been a long time coming for him, so I want to see if he's got something to show for here, but I think he might be a little bit, uh, I don't want to say weak, but Prezeris is going to be too strong for him is basically what I'm trying to say. What do you think, Trish? Uh, so I've actually got JC in this, um, just for kind of for fun on the dog, uh, plus 195. Obviously, short notice for him and, and UFC debut, jitters, right? There's all that, but I think his combos are a little bit better, and I think he's okay on the feet. Um, you know, he's he's a little bit taller than uh, Prisera's, but uh, Prisera's is, is, you know, like you said, he's a stocky, he's a big He's a big uh, 55, so we'll see. We'll see how JC does. It's it's just a for fun play. Um, just threw a flyer on uh, JC just to to see what he does, and uh, yeah, I, I like him to to at least have a good showing, um, despite it being you know UFC debut and, and that type of thing. I think he'll have a, a good showing at least. Well, you got me really intrigued because I'm always looking for good underdogs. 
for me, I just have all the questions of, you know, <laughs> what we were talking about with, you know, it being a, a short notice debut. The number is good, and Michelle Prezeris is a guy I look to fade, you know, in all of his fights. So maybe I should join you here. I'm just not confident on it like I am on, on the other dogs <laughs> I took, but maybe uh, tomorrow on the weigh-in scales, maybe I'll see something and uh, go for it. What do you think, Bob? I'm not going to pretend I know a lot about JC because I don't, but <laughs> the little bit I do know about Prezerius, well, I guess I know a decent amount about him too. I'm not a fan, so I'm going to pick JC. said I was going to pick him. I'm going to pick him. I'm going to go for him and root for him. Awesome. Well, guys, I want to thank you so much for taking the time to join me and speak to me right here, right now on Half the Battle. It's been an absolute pleasure. You guys are welcome back anytime. And uh, I hope you guys enjoy the fights at UFC Chicago. You know, take it in. It's always cool to see a UFC event live in person. You know, I'll be at the ATL fights next week. You guys are at Chicago this Saturday. Let the audience know where to follow you on social media and anything else you got coming up, Bob. Well, you can follow me at MMA State of Mind. Uh, make Latifi Proud has started. So any tweet you put, uh, hashtag Make Latifi Proud and tag my name into it. We will retweet it. Um, uh, he has seen some of them, so they're being watched. So that's good. Uh, I would like to thank my sponsors. Uh, Kalo Rings, the toughest wedding bands to, for the hardest sport in the world, marriage. I would also like to thank uh, Touch Butt Fitness, the only way to get buns of steel everywhere and uh, uh, I guess I do have to ask uh, as much as it might pain me uh, what is you can you see what the live viewership is right now yeah uh, what is we, it? We, we, I'll tell you this on our first broadcast we surpassed the number but uh, not as many people saw the second link however they will rewatch it and you're gonna have to meet your end of the bargain my friend uh, well, wait, I made two bargains, so did we pass the 100 or the 200 bargain? <laughs> well, we definitely passed the first one, and we're well on track to pass the second. Okay, so if... Do you want me to go now, or do you want me to be the outro? <laughs> <laughs> hey, so Trish, you, you, gotta let, you gotta let the audience know where to follow you. I mean, you're one of the best follows in the game. I met you at UFC 197. It was an absolute pleasure hanging out with you and our boy Adrian. So uh, let the audience know where to follow you. Yeah, sure, sure. So uh, Trish, at Trish Crane, both Instagram and Twitter. Um, I try to go to a couple fights a year at least, and, and definitely love talking fights and... Uh, sneakers and whatever other bullshit you want to talk so definitely you know hit me up on Twitter and and uh, if you see me at a fight I've had this happen a few times so definitely if you see me at a fight and you follow me just say what's up and and we'll uh, hang out so yeah I appreciate being on obviously first time on here and and so hope to come back soon absolutely it was the first time but it surely won't be the last. Now, I want to thank everyone for tuning in. Thank you guys so much. It means the world to me. Follow me on Twitter at BestFightPicks. Go to BestFightPicks.com for my plays. Free as always. And this podcast you're listening to or watching, it's called Half the Battle, and you can find it on iTunes, SoundCloud, and YouTube. Bob, now's your time to do your thing really quick, because I'm about to turn off the plug. Until the next time, enjoy the fights. Now's your time, son. Peace out, y'all.